0: Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Tonight we are in week four in our series in the book in the in the book of Ruth, and Ruth is a book that's always studied before Pentecost or Shavuot. And tonight's teaching tonight's teaching is entitled "The Path to Kingship." And tonight I want to thank you all for joining me here tonight. We, we will continue in this series in the Scroll of Ruth, and you can watch these teachings for the last few weeks. Under the Wings of the Divine Presence was teaching number one. Number two in this series is called The Path to Greatness. And last week we taught on Never Settle for Less. And this week's teaching is entitled The Path to Kingship. And I encourage you to watch the previous teachings on your favorite platform. You can watch on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite um, podcast platforms such as Spotify, Google, Apple, and many, many others. So I encourage you all, if you, uh, I'd encourage you to subscribe, to like, to comment, to share with your friends, and, and make comments to show your support, because this is our way of getting God's Word out to the masses. Amen? And also, I want to take a moment to introduce my books to you. You can find the books on DestinedForTorah.com. The links will be posted for you in just a moment. And my most recent book is called, the, it, it's, it's called Man in the Mirror, Finding Your Authentic Self and that, that 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 book is brand new i encourage you to to get that book and i also have two other books uh first one is called the final countdown your journey in the symphony of creation this book takes you through the book of genesis and also teaches you how you fit into god's tapestry how you fit into god's tapestry of creation and, and depicts the holy spirit as a symphony director who's orchestrating the events that take place in history and how he's directing and guiding you and helping you in your destiny, my second book is called Earth, Wind, Fire, and a Still Small Voice. This book is designed to help you discern God's will, to discern God's voice, and we'll use examples from Moses and and Elijah, and also take you through the several species of angels. And this book will really help you in your spiritual walk with God. Amen. So that's 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 the second book and the third book, which was just released. Uh, which which is called um, Man in the Mirror, Finding Authentic Self. And I take you through King David's life and take you through King David's suffering and even the writing of the Psalms. And I take you even deeper into Psalm 119 to to really help you to process pain and really to help you find your true self through the experiences of your life. Amen? So I I wanted to share that with all of you. And so, again... Uh, we'll, we will continue in the series here tonight. we are going tonight we will explore the path to kingship through the journeys of Abraham, Sarah, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, and they learned the secrets to their royal dynasties through their selfless acts of loving kindness, also known as hesed. So the Hebrew word for loving kindness is hesed, but it goes deeper than simple loving kindness. It takes us to the level of selfless loving kindness. And Boaz, Ruth, Naomi, Abraham, Sarah, they all completed their path to kingship through the act of hesed. And God's goal for our lives in creation is to bring us to the level of status that we call kingship. And that's why I call tonight's teaching the path to kingship. And the Hebrew word behind the word kingship, behind the concept of kingship, Kingship is the word Malkut. And the scripture I'll use to describe it is from Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And we see similar words being used in the book of Revelation as well, because that's the goal of creation. God's plan in our lives is to make us a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Amen? So we are coming into the kingdom. We are coming into kingship. And when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a mustard seed. That is is the goal of creation, and that was Christ's goal when he came to the earth, is that we would be conformed into God's image and that we would discover the kingship that's within each and every one of us. So your mission tonight, if you choose to accept it, is to stay for this teaching on the path to kingship. So let's go ahead and get started here and let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just love you and we're so grateful for you. Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, for preserving our lives and taking care of us during, this, during all the seasons of our lives. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, for the anointing. I thank you, Lord God, that you've allowed us to gather today to learn your holy word. And Lord, I just pray that everyone in this line tonight, Father God, Will be conformed to the image of christ within them lord god and lord i just pray that you will arise with healing in your wings that lord for those that are believing you for healing that they will experience healing lord god that look for those that are seeking you for direction whether in their jobs whether in their families and whatever situation in life lord god that you will provide them with direction and guidance lord god i pray for those that are suffering from covid lord god that you will arise with healing in your wings and, and bring healing healing speedily lord god and Lord, I pray, that, I pray for healing from every type of infirmity, Lord God, for your people tonight, Lord God. And Lord, I lift up JD right now. I lift, I lift, I lift up Chelsea. I lift up Kavya. Lord, I lift up all the people that are watching tonight, Father God. And I just pray, Father God, that you'll move upon the lives of your people, Lord God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and get started with the path to kingship. The first thing I want to share with you is... The path to kingship is a path that is paved with obedience to the prophetic voice. And prophecy is an important element in our lives and it's going to cause us to stay on that path to kingship. Because every one of us has a path to kingship and that path to kingship may not be a path of of royalty in the sense that we perceive royalty. But it is royalty in the sense that you are called into God's kingdom for such a time as this. And there is a a kingly anointing upon your life. There is a calling that God has ordained for you. And and, and God has called you to discover his purpose for your life. And one of the ways we discern God's calling for our lives is through the prophetic voice. Sometimes that prophetic voice will come through a vessel, through a person, through a prophet. But most of the time, God's prophetic voice, actually all the time, regardless of who delivers the word to you, it will be confirmed through God's word. Because the ultimate prophetic voice is the Bible, and God will confirm His will for your life through the prophetic word. Amen? And now let's look at the example of Abrams That's because Abram and Sarah paved the path to kingship for all future generations of Israel. And in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2 say, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her, and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah." Now what we see here is that at this time in Sarah's life, she was barren, and she'd been barren for a long time. And she could bear Abram n- n- no children. And Sarah came to Abram, her husband, and told him, you know, marry Hagar, my maidservant, and-, and maybe I I may have a child through her. And that was God's prophetic voice speaking through Sarah. Now I know this is very contrary to much teaching that you have heard on, on this verse, but notice the, the last part of verse 2 it reads, and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And that voice of Sarai was Sarai operating with her prophetic voice. It was a word of prophecy. This was the will of God that, that Abram bear a son through Hagar, who became who was Ishmael. So th- this, this, is, this is all part of God's master plan. And so this is part of God's plan in creation. We may not understand it, but because the, the Abrahamic covenant was passed on through Isaac, and at the same time, Ishmael has a plan in God in God's creation as well. So, so Sarai hearkened to the voice of, uh, uh, I mean, Abram hearkened, hearkened and listened to the voice of his wife Sarai because his wife was operating under a prophetic anointing. Now, now let's look at Genesis 21 verses 9 through 12, and we see something else taking place, and we're seeing Sarai's voice of prophecy being activated again. And Sarai is considered the first of seven prophetesses in the Hebrew Scriptures. So, from Genesis through Malachi, the first prophetess, um, the first female operating in the office of prophet, is Sarai, and the last one, I believe, I believe, is Esther. So let's read Esther I'm sorry let's read Genesis 21 verses 9 through 12 together and Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son with Isaac And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in your sight because of the lad, and because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto you, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall your seed be called. Called. See, Sarah was again operating under the voice of prophecy, under the prophetic unction, But Abraham could not receive it because, you know, because, I mean, how can he cast out his own son, Ishmael? And then God confirmed the word that he received through Sarah. And God told Abraham to to, to hearken, to listen to her voice and to obey that prophetic voice. And, and of course, Abraham obeyed because Ishmael could not inherit in the Abrahamic covenant, the the covenant of the Torah that was passed from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to all future generations of Israel. So the first concept I'm going to share with you is the path to kingship is paved with obedience to the prophetic voice. Abraham obeyed the prophetic voice. And Abram and Sarah, the son they conceived together is Isaac. Isaac's sons were Jacob and Esau. Jacob carried on the covenant and he had 12 sons. And and through and through that blood through through that bloodline starting with Abraham continues on the Abrahamic covenant and kings came through the blood uh, came through these bloodlines Amen and specifically the anointed bloodline well, uh, the Messianic bloodline was passed on through Judah the fourth son of Jacob and 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 through 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 Jacob we get Boaz. Uh, um, through Judah we get Boaz we get Elimelech we get um, King David, and we get all the future kings of the southern kingdom of Israel and and, and then we get Christ Jesus the Messiah through that royal bloodline so th- that's the first concept I want to share with you is obedience to the prophetic voice and when you learn how to obey prophecy the spirit of God will keep you in, l- in alignment to his voice and his will for your life because sometimes taking the wrong job can der- derail your destiny. Sometimes taking the uh, stepping into the wrong ministry can can derail your ministry. So it's so important that we learn how to follow the prophetic voice and make sure that we're only following the guidance of those that God has put in our path. And at the same time, we need to take the words that we receive and confirm the word. With uh, with with the written word of God and lo- and allow the Holy Spirit to speak His will for our lives to us, Amen. Because it, it's it, it's a constant journey of seeking Him and seeking His will for our lives. Even these books here were uh, uh, I wrote these books through, uh, because of of obedience to the prophetic voice, Amen. And the next concept I want to share with you is the path to kingship is paved with hesed. Can you say that with me? The path to kingship is paved with hesed. And again, hesed is the Hebrew word for selfless, loving kindness. So let's talk about Boaz hesed for a moment from Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. And it reads, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. See, Boaz was the greatest judge of his generation, and Boaz introduced the concept of greeting one another in God's name. See how he, he came to the reapers and said, The Lord bless thee, and, and the reapers responded back li- likewise. And Boaz sought to improve the spirituality of the people around him, to improve the relationships. Between people and also improving people's relationship with God, and He saw God's image in everyone. And when when He called them and said, "The Lord bless you," He was He He, he was recognized them in the image of God, and, and and really bringing a godly mindset into the lives of everyone that He met. And it's so important that we greet one another in the in the, in the love of God, and because we want to we, we want godliness to be introduced into every aspect of our lives, amen? Even when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name because we're, we're praying in His authority, in His name, and we're just infusing our prayers and all that we do with, with holiness, amen? And the concept of hesed is a, is a concept that means, that declares, it's not just about me, it's about other people as well. And And the teaching here is that you are special, you are created in God's image so often we live in a world where we t- where we're in a world that's very competitive and it's all about me it's about tearing other people down and promoting my, my own agenda that is not the way things should work in god's kingdom in god's kingdom it's about becoming selfless it's about laying your life down it's about emptying yourself and and to and, and to really bring out the qualities that are unique to every single individual amen that you should make everyone feel like you are part of god's tapestry in creation that God has a plan in your life, and that God wants to direct every single aspect of your life, including your careers, your marriages, in all that you set your hands to, including your ministries. That God, God, God's hand is in it, and you are unique in God's love. Loves you, and you, you were formed and created in God's image. Amen. And so, Boaz, Boaz's hesed was one, one, one of the aspects of his hesed was in the way that he greeted everybody in God's name, and he brought brought honor to God in everything. Now, Ruth met his match in Boaz. And now let's look at Ruth for a moment. Ruth chapter 2, verses 2, 3, 5 through 8. And it reads, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her, her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. See, this is divine providence at, at work. Out of all the fields in Bethlehem, she just happened, not by happenstance, but by divine providence, she, she landed in the fields of Boaz. She had no idea who Boaz was, and she had no idea this she did not know whose field it belonged to but she 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 by divine providence she landed in the field of boaz and, and she was noticed in that field and that's what god will do in your life as well when you step out on the walk of obedience god will put you in the right place at the right time and at times where people need to recognize you god will ordain that certain, that divine connection will take place for the call that he has for your life amen so so Ruth was in the right place because of divine providence. Boaz happened to come to the right field, because I'm sure he had many fields. He came at the right place at the right time to notice Ruth. This is all part of God's plan to bring them together for the purpose of building the path to kingship. Because through their union and through Ruth's conception of, of Obed would, would bring about the Messianic bloodline. So that was the literal path to kingship for them. And what we learn about what we learn about Ruth is, is that it, 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 even in the way that she gleaned. See, according to Torah law, she was allowed to glean two, uh, two leket, a, 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 a certain amount of, of wheat, but she didn't take what she was allowed. She was allowed to collect three. But she only collected two, and meaning meaning that she 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 was so, I mean she, she wasn't greedy. It demonstrated that she that she was she only took what was needed, and that was one character quality that we see in Ruth. Another quality that we see is that I mean just in her demeanor and in the way that she collected and in her, her modesty, in even the way that she bent down. And, and, I mean all that she did was with tremendous modesty, and every and, and her behavior was completely contrary. To the reputation that Moabite women had and so she did not carry that promiscuous reputation but she was a woman of tremendous modesty a woman of tremendous honor and she only collected what she needed and and, and even the way that she collected she would not let naomi come out of the fields because it was too shameful for her but R- ruth choose, chose to bear the shame herself and chose to, to do this because she loved naomi and, th- and this is a tremendous kindness and what Boaz noticed in Ruth was her tremendous act of hasit. She noticed how kind she was she noticed, he noticed her demeanor he he, he he noticed i mean every day he saw her behavior and and, and, he, and he took notice of it, and in fact, everybody was noticing Ruth's be, behavior, and she was such a, a respectful woman she was an obedient woman she only did things the way naomi instructed her and that's another quality in your path to kingship is that you walk in obedience and sometimes god will place people uh, you know in your lives that can direct you spiritually and that will guide you and that will uh, that you can trust the leading of the holy spirit in them to, to guide you in your path to destiny and and through ruth's obedience naomi uh, uh, Ru, uh, Ru, Through Ruth's obedience to Naomi, Ruth inherited the path to kingship. Amen? And when you learn obedience to the Holy Spirit, you you can be guaranteed success and that you will fulfill all that God has called you to do because He has established you in your path to kingship. And what we learn through Boaz and Ruth, especially through Ruth, is hesed, or selfless loving kindness, is a prerequisite for malkut, or kingship. And one thing, one quality that a king must have, especially an Israelite king, is a king has to be able to see the needs of his people and be able to act on their behalf. See, that's the goal of kingship, that it's not about you, it's about the needs of others. And one of the greatest qualities that any person can possess is, is is the ability to have empathy, the ability to see the needs of others above their own needs. And that's exactly what Ruth and Naomi, I mean what Ruth and Boaz achieved, actually Naomi did, did as well. Abraham and Sarah did too. And if we, in first Chronicles chapter seventeen, verse sixteen, and this is David's prayer of appreciation, and David prays, and David the king came and sat before the Lord. How many of you have sat before the Lord and and, and just sat before Him and just talked to Him about how much you appreciate Him? If you have not done so today, I encourage you to do so, because those are some of the most powerful prayers. And this is how David prayed. He, He came before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house, which you have brought me here to? And yet, this was a small thing in your eyes, O God, for you hast also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and has regarded me according to the estate of a man of high decree of high decree, O Lord God. What can David speak more to you for the honor of your servant, for you know your servant, and he just goes on to just thank God for his greatness and how God had established him. And David was such a meek man, such a humble man, that he knew that God had established him for the sake of his people. And David did not see himself being great in his own eyes. David was the the most awesome king, the most excellent, the the greatest king that that we see in Israel throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. And yet, David never became boastful. He never became prideful. He always honored God for the position that God placed him and, and he knew that God had placed him there to shepherd his people. See, it wasn't he wasn't seeking glory for himself. And he knew that God exalted him and God established him for, for the honor of God's name. As we talked about last week, it's all about God's name. It's not about building our own name. It's about building God's name in the earth. And that's exactly what David did. And that's what I encourage all of you to do, is, is to make God's name great. Amen? And that's what a king must do. A king must be able to see the needs of his or her people and act on their behalf. Next, I want to talk to you about Abraham. Because Abraham you know, we, 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 uh, is, is the founder of the faith. And, and, and the question I am going to ask all of you is, why was Abraham chosen? And, and what is the connection between Abraham and Ruth? Because really, God used Ruth to, to restore what Abraham began. Because in the days of the Judges, kingship was almost lost. Because everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And God used Boaz and Ruth and, and, and Naomi to restore what, Abraham, what God established through Abraham. And why are we going to talk about Abraham? And, and why, are we, why are we going to talk about the reason why Abraham was selected? We need to study Abraham to really understand the clues on why Ruth was chosen. Now, there are several reasons why people give on Abraham's selection to kingship. Why was Abraham chosen? And th- there are several opinions on why Abram was selected. For those of you that are new to st- the study of God's Word, Abram was the name of Abraham before God changed his name to Abraham. And Sarah, his wife, Her name was originally Sarai, then God changed her name to Sarah. God changed both of their names by adding the Hebrew letter, Hey, to their names. And so I'm going to give some commentary to you from the, the Midrash, from rabbinic commentary. And this is one thing about Abraham. This is one reason given why Abraham was selected to be the father of the Jewish people. And it reads like this. Abraham once went and smashed the idols in his father's house. And when his father came home and was angry, he pointed to the largest idol and said, He did it, not me. His father said, That's ridiculous. Everyone knows an idol cannot do anything. Abraham says, If everyone knows an idol cannot do anything, then why do you worship them? And then Terah, Abraham's father, reported this to King Nimrod, because King Nimrod was, was a king in the earth at that time. And then Nimrod gave him, gave, him, gave him a choice: enter into the fiery furnace or bow down to the idols. And of course, Abram refused to bow down to the idols. He was thrown into the burning into the fiery furnace, and he survived. So that's one of the teachings on uh, on why Abram w- was chosen. But if this is the reason, then why isn't this important story mentioned in the scriptures? So that, that that's that's a question. So. The question we ask is, is this the reason why Abraham was chosen to become the father of the Jewish faith and, and, the, and, the, and ultimately the, the father of Christianity? And there's a, So that, that's something where we're going to ponder and we're going to talk about Abraham's greatness. What made Abraham so great? And what was Abraham's mission? And what did Ruth do to ensure the continuation of Abraham's mission? And the clue to Abraham's narrative, I mean, the, the clues to Abraham's selection are found in a, in a very boring narrative. And I'm saying boring because often when we read God's Word and we get the genealogies, we often just gloss over the genealogies and go to the next story because we don't understand why genealogies are in, in, the, in God's Word. Especially if we know that God's Word is not, his, is not a book that is designed to teach us history, but rather it is a of, book of prophecy, then why is there so much attention spent on genealogies? And I'm gonna talk about that tonight as well. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. I'm gonna read this about, uh, a couple times because I really want you to, to really uh, un- understand what's taking place here. Because within these three verses, we're gonna find the secret to Abraham's greatness and what made Abraham great. So let's begin with a genealogy, and you're going to find out this genealogy is very, very exciting, and it's very important to help us establish Abraham's greatness. So who loves a good genealogy? Let's go Let's let's, let's read. And Nahor lived 90 and 20 years, and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years, and begat, son, begat sons and daughters. If you're still with me? Let's go to verse 26. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. So, what I want you to see here and to get this into, into your mind is verse 26 we have Terah. Terah had three sons. The three sons are Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So, so he had three sons. Now, of the three sons, the, the third one, Haran, which I assume is the youngest one, um, passed away. And Haran had at least two daughters and one son. I don't know if he had more children, but I do know for sure that he had two, he had two daughters and one son. At least these three children are mentioned in the genealogy. And so, Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran and Haran, bought, uh, Haran begat Lot. Now, when, within these verses lies a secret story, a narrative that describes Abraham's greatness and teaches us why Abram uh, teaches us why God chose Abram. See, what many of us know Genesis chapter 12, the begin, the start of Parshat Lech and we see how God calls Abram out of his country, out of his kindred, out of his father's house. And God sends him up on a mission, but we don't know what really led to God sending sending him on a mission. And the secret to his mission is found in these verses that we just read, verses 24 through 27, and actually verse 28 as well. So, first, verse 27, I just want you to know that Ab- that Terah had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And then, next thing I want you to know is that Haran died. So, let's look at verse 28. Actually, we're going to read... Uh, another few verses verses 28 through 32 and haran died before his father terah in the land of his nativity in ur of the chaldees and abram and nahor took them wives the name of abram's wife was sarai and the name of nahor's wife milcah the daughter of haran the father of milcah and the father of iscah but sarai was barren she had no child and Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to the, to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years. And Terah died in Haran. So, I I know you have to read this several times to to even understand the genealogy because the way it is worded is very confusing but within these words is a prophetic message and shows us why god chose abram and it also teaches us on why god chose uh, uh, chose ruth and boaz so first thing i want you to see here is is um haran died and haran had two daughters so Haran's other two brothers, Nahor and Abram, married, uh, uh, married Haran's daughter. So they basically married their, their nieces. And, and Abram took, took on Ishka. She's known by two names in these verses. She's called Ishka, which means princess, and she's also known by the name Sarai. So, so both, the, the name, it looks like there are two daughters mentioned here, but the rabbis teach us that both names refer to the same person. So God, so, so Abram took Sarai as his wife and Abram also took Lot with him so he also adopted his nephew Lot and, and Lot and Sarai were brother and sister. And Nahor also performed uh, this act of Eubom when he took uh, Milcah to be, to be his wife. So, and the reason why they did this, this was, this, was, this was a form of leverage marriage even before the Torah was given and even before the commandment was given in Deuteronomy. And what they did is in order to to perpetuate the name of 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 their brother they 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 married they married the, the children of their brother so that they could continue on the bloodline of that of the of the deceased brother now i know this is very con very foreign to us this is not part of west western culture but this is something that was established in god's word and it, and it pertained to, to to the jews and it, and it it was actually in effect even before the Torah was given at Mount Sinai, and so what, what we see taking place here when Abram and Nahor took on these wives, Abram married Sarai I mean, yeah, Abram married Sarai and Nahor married Milcah, and these da- these girls, were the daughters of Haran. And what they, what they did here was they performed a very selfish act. Abram and Nahor did something extremely selfless. And what they did was, they did something not for their own benefit. They performed a a very tremendous, a very holy, a a, a tremendous act of chesed where they chose to carry on their brother's legacy rather than their own. But there's a problem here. The woman that Abram married was, was, uh, the woman Sarai that Abram married was barren. She could not conceive. And so, so this made it extremely extremely challenging and it's very strange as you read the text I mean, with the right in verse 29 we're introduced to Sarah and then in verse 20, 30 we're told that she's barren and and it seems like it's, it seems like a, a, an invasion of privacy i mean right at the very instant we we meet Sarah and the next thing we learn about her is that she's barren but we'll, what we learn here is that in spite of her barrenness Abram did not divorce her. He, he stayed with her and trusted God that seed, that seed the legacy of Haran would, would, would perpetuate. So that's what we see here. It is that the willingness of Abram and, and Nahor to continue on the legacy of their brother. And that's exactly what took place in the book of Ruth. Because when Naomi came back to Bethlehem with her daughter-in-law Ruth, not only not only was, was Elimelech's husband, not, not only was Naomi's husband Elimelech dead, her her two sons were dead. Melon and Kilian were both dead. They were struck dead by, by God because of their disobedience. So there was no one to, to continue on the name of Elimelech. N- Elimelech wasn't was dead, Melon was dead, and Kilian was dead. And so Boaz, uh, uh, in the process of time, Boaz took on the responsibility and, 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 and took on the responsibility to, to marry Ruth and to have a child through her to, to perpetuate the name of Ellen Mallet. So through the union and the marriage and the union of Ellen, uh, of um, Boaz and Ruth, it was not to per- it was not to perpetuate or continue on the legacy of Boaz, but it was to continue on the legacy of El Malik, and that was an extremely honorable thing to do, and that's one of the reasons why Abram was chosen and why Boaz and Ruth were chosen, and this is also part of the path to kingship. Does that make sense to everybody? I know this is very confusing, but I pray that you get the concept of hesed, of selflessness taking place here. So that's one thing I want you to see here, is another thing I want you to see is the journey. See, let's let's go back to these verses here. See in um, in verse twenty seven, in verse twenty five, uh, verses twenty four through twenty seven, we, we, we see the generations of, of 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 Nahor and then Terah, then Abraham, Nahor and Haran, and 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 then we see we see Milcah, Sarai, and Lot. So so so, so we see these generations. But the something that w- that was done that was not right. For example, Terah was was called upon a journey to, to go to the land of Canaan. So there was a calling upon his life to go to the Israelite nation, but along the way he stopped. He didn't go all the way. See, that's another key on your path to kingship, that you, can, you can't stall along the way. You cannot permanently settle. And that, that's the sin, that's the error made by Terah. And so, when you look at verse 31, it says, "Terah took Abram his son, Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife, and they went forth from with them from Ur of the Chaldees. So they set forth to to the land of Canaan, which is today the land of Israel. But you know what took place? They came to a, a land or a town called Haran, and they dwelt there. But when they dwelt there, it wasn't just a temporary settling." It was they were out of God's will, and T- Terah decided to permanent, permanently settle there. And then what takes place? Terah died. He died without destiny. He died without fulfilling his purpose. Now, m- now let's turn to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter one. And I want you to see a a, a, a pattern. And it begins, let's look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, and it says it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He, his wife, and his two sons. So they went to sojourn, and it's just like Terah, who went to sojourn, who dwelt in the land of Haran. Terah had no plans to uh, to continue in to continue on the journey, uh, uh, to to Israel, to Canaan. And the same thing with El-Amalek. had no plans to return back to Bethlehem, Judah. He chose to settle in the land of Moab. You know, Terah settled in Haran, and el and settled in in Moab. And because he chose to settle there and not be obedient to God, God struck him dead, and Terah was struck dead in, in Genesis eleven. And then what takes place ten years later, Malon and Kilion, God gave them 10 years to repent and to return back to the land, but they did not repent. And they were struck dead after 10 years of sojourning in the land of, of Moab. And, and what, t- what took place, they, 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 they both died as well. So Naomi was left at, without her husband and without her two sons. This all happened within a 10 year period and it was a result of disobedience. And so so Elimelech died without destiny malon and kilian died that destiny but th- but god who was so merciful he restored their bloodline through ruth and boaz's obedience so the mission began with abraham and it was saved from failure through ruth and boaz so that's one thing i want i want you to see here is and, and then when you turn to genesis chapter 12 it makes sense because then god calls upon abram to continue on that journey the journey began with Terah, but Terah only went partway with God, and afterwards God uh, God spoke to Abram and told him to continue. That Abraham left his he left his father's house, he left his kindred, he left his country, as we see at the start of Parsha Lech Lecha, and he continued on that journey to the land of Canaan. So uh, I hope that makes sense to you. And so that's the journey that they began, on. and. That's the, end, that's the end of that story. And you, you can see the benefits, you can see the blessings that take place with selflessness. And of course, I know God's not calling any one of us to perform a letter of marriage. That's not, some, that's not something, something that's practiced today. But, I'm telling you, but I do know that God is calling all of us to live a life of being selfless and to really take care of our brother and sister and to really take care of the widow, take care of the orphan, and really demonstrate acts of selfless, loving kindness. Amen? And this concept of, 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 of marrying the deceased um, wife, you know, for example, if a brother dies, if you're if, if you're a male and your brother your brother dies and leaves his wife as a widow without without children, then it's the responsibility of, of, of the brother to, to marry the deceased brother's wife and to have children through through, uh, through that union. And so that law is known as, it's known as Yibam. It's also called a levirate marriage in the Torah. And the idea of Yibam is that when a brother dies young, or he dies childless, then it's, it's a commandment that the brother marries the widow. Amen? And in this case, even before the law was given, Abram and Nahor practiced a type of Yibam. So I just want to share that concept with you, and that's exactly what took place with, between Boaz and Ruth. See, we often look at the story of Boaz and Ruth as a story of romance, but it is not a story of romance. You know, when we read the book of Esther and we read the book of Ruth, we, we, we see them both as romantic books, and we really miss the meaning of these books and what God is doing. Because what we see in both of these books, in both of these scrolls, in both of these Megillots, is the concept of selflessness, of Hesed. So that's the, that's what I want you to see here, and now, why was Abram chosen? And the reason is, is because he performed a tremendous Hesed. and that he took Sarai to be his wife, not for the sake of making his own name great, but for the sake of, of 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 making his brother's name great. And in turn, what he did is, God called upon him to make God's name great. And the greater God made His name, the greater He exalted god's name because wherever abram went he built altars and he honored god's name now let's go to another story that takes place in the same chapter in genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 4 you know over the years that i've been studying genesis i really did not understand the connection between the first part of genesis 11 and the last part of genesis 11 and how it tied in with genesis chapter 12 and i pray that tonight that that you will also get some understanding here because the bible is not a bunch of stories that are disconnected i mean the author of the first five books of the bible is moses and this con- continued continuity in the entire text and they're not a bunch of disconnected stories but they're they it's god's continuous prophetic message to all people of all kindred of all nations amen so when you read this there is a connection between Genesis 1, 11 verses 1 through 4 and the last part of Genesis 11 is also related to Genesis chapter 12 and the connection from Genesis chapter 12 to the end of Genesis 11 is that Abraham continued on the journey that his father Terah had failed to fulfill and then also when you go back to Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 4 uh, you're gonna see a connection between what takes place here And and you'll see the contrast to what Abraham does at the end of chapter 11. So let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 4 together. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them continuously. I mean, thoroughly. And they made brick for stone and slime, and had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. So I want, I want you to look at these four verses, and I want you to notice a word that's repeated over and over again. And it's the word name. And, and they say, let us build us a name. Let us build ourselves a name is what they're saying. Let us, let us make brick and burn it thoroughly. And what they're doing here is, is, is extremely wrong. And when we read this text, it's not really obvious to see what they're really doing wrong here. It's like, okay, so they want to build a tower. And it looks like they're building a, skys- a skyscraper. And, and, and we think well what's really wrong with building a city what's wrong with building a tower and if you take this literally then you'll think that well all the skyscrapers in the world are a sign of man's disobedience to god and of course that's that's not the case so there's something going on here that's we gotta we gotta, we gotta dig into this text and really try to understand what the holy spirit is saying here to us see when they're saying they're building a city and a tower there's really nothing wrong with building a city there's really nothing wrong with building a tower there's really nothing wrong with, with all that. We have cities and towers all over the world. I, you know, I mean, and so what the error that they make is found in verse 4 where it says, Let us make us a name. And and that that was their sin. And that is the story, and that is the message right before God called Abram. See, the story of the tower is it's a story that teaches us that when you're all about building yourself a name and perpetuating your own legacy, your own dynasty. And when I look at this, this stone that was built, this, this tower that was built, that was made with, with baked stones one upon another, uh, with mortar in between, it's almost like they're building this huge gravestone. And what they're doing is building their own name up. They're not concerned about God's name, they're only concerned about themselves. And in contrast, we see God calling Abram, is that Abram is called upon to build God's name, and of course, God promises Abram that I will make your name great and I will establish you. But the message is that God, that the whole purpose of that is to build God's name. And the tower builders had, had under the leadership of Nimrod, also called King King Nimrod, who was really the first Antichrist in the Bible, the very first world leader. And he was all about himself and all about his own legacy uh, and had nothing to do with God. There was not a mindset of honoring God's name. And that was the the great fault of Nimrod and and the tower builders. And then when God called upon Abram, Abram went about building altars, you know, probably made out of stone, but they were all to honor God's name. He even built wells, and these wells were built to honor God's name. So Abram was all about God, and Nimrod was all about himself. So that's the first thing I want, one thing I want you to see. The other thing I want you to see is, the people of Nimrod's generation, they were not, they were They were no longer moving, but they settled. Just like um, Terah settled in Haran, the, the, the tower builders settled in one place. They found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So the whole, earth was a, was, and they were, the whole earth was on a journey, and they were all moving in a certain direction. But the mistake that they made was that they settled. And then we see Terah continue on that journey, but he only makes it as far as Haran. He doesn't continue any further. And what Abram does is he continues on that journey. He doesn't stop. He doesn't settle. He continues all the way with God. And that's what I encourage each and every one of you to do is to continue on in your journey with God. Don't stop partway with God. But I encourage you all to go all the way with God. Some people have stopped serving God because of the coronavirus pandemic. Some have stopped moving on because, they, they, because of fear or whatever reason or because it's not convenient. But my, my message for you tonight is that you don't stop partway with God, but you go all the way with God. And don't go about building your own name, but let's go about building God's name. And that—that's the ultimate. That's our ultimate purpose in God's creation: is to build His name and make His name great. Amen. And of course, of course, God's going to bless you. God's going to establish you. God's going to give you favor. Uh, you know, God may give you a greater platform, but it's not for the sake of building your own platform. It's for the sake of building God's platform. And I pray that all of you uh, will understand that it's in the name. of of the brother, that's exactly what Ruth and and, and Boaz did, and, and 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 so did Naomi. I know we're just about out of time here, but I do want to. Before I close here, I do I, I do want to share something about what Naomi did. You know, Na, Na, when Naomi came back to Bethlehem, and as you see in Ruth chapter one, as we've read in previous weeks, you know we we, we just see Ruth weeping, we see Ruth sad. We see Ruth despondent. We see Ruth, I mean, it seems like she's in a in very heavy depression. And she feels very ashamed to return back to her people because she and her husband and her sons had forsaken the Jewish people during a time of famine. And when she came back, it, it seemed like she just wanted to crawl into a hole and not deal with anybody. And what we see taking place with, with Ruth that's very commendable is that Ruth comes back to life when she stops looking at herself, looks beyond her situation, and looks out for the welfare of Ruth. And if you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, 20, and 23, and her mother-in-law said to her, this is Naomi speaking to Ruth, where did you glean today? And where did you go? Where did you reap? And and she's asking questions. And then when Ruth tells Naomi that I was in the field of Boaz, and and then, then what Ruth what Naomi starts to do is she starts to look out for Ruth's benefits and she start, and she starts making preparation for Ruth to meet Boaz in pri- private and, and suggests to Ruth she tells Ruth to basically propose to him and tell Boaz to perform a levirate marriage to rep- to restore the family's name to restore the bloodline and we 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 see Naomi calling the shots we see Ruth's obedience, and we see the path to kingship being prepared through Naomi's uh, obedience. And Boaz wasn't really doing his part. I mean, he always—you know, he, he was, it was commendable that he noticed Ruth. It was commendable that he told Ruth, "Don't glean in anybody else's field, but only glean in my field." And we see him taking care of Ruth, but you know what? He doesn't take on full responsibility, and and that's why God—that's why Naomi instructed Ruth. To, to to go to, to go before bo, bo to go before Boaz and basically proposition Boaz and, and and to tell him to perform this lever act and to restore the family's name. See this this is not an this marriage is not a a, a romantic story, but it's really an act of responsibility. It's an act of selfless loving kindness. Naomi at the uh, not Naomi Boaz at this time was about eighty years old, Ruth is probably about forty, and and this this marriage was a completely selfless act, and God had ordained this marriage to take place to to perpetuate what was almost lost. What Abraham and Sarah began was almost lost at, at this time, and God used Abra- God used Boaz and Ruth and Naomi to continue on the path to. Kingship. And as I've shared with you before, um, King David became the great-grandson of, 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 of Ruth and Boaz. And I'm telling you, the, the, the rewards for selfless acts of loving kindness is, is eternal. And, um, and every one of us need help along the way. Even Boaz, as great as he was, and the tremendous man of Hesed that he was, that he needed he needed help to make sure that he he completed his path to destiny. And I just pray that uh, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer here. But right before I close, I I, I want to close here. And actually, we're going to close the book of Ruth here tonight. In Ruth chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, it reads, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly, this is Ruth coming in softly, into 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 that area. And she, and she came softly uncovered his feet at midnight that the man was and it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold a woman lay at his feet and he said who are you and she answered i am ruth your handmaid spread therefore your skirt over thy maidservant for you are a near kinsman see there's nothing promiscuous taking place here what is taking place here is is, is a very holy ad. and th- this phrase here, "spread your skirt over me," is is a Hebraism. It, it's an idiom meaning take the responsibility and and and, and perform the act of perform elaborate marriage, marry me because you are a near kinsman, you, you, you are closely related to 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 Elamella. And m- marry me, and and our seed will, will perpetuate the legacy of Elamela and of Kilian, uh, her her, um, her deceased husband. So that is exactly what what was taking place here, and I'm telling you, and Boaz did his part. There was somebody else that was a closer relative, but he 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 wasn't up to it for whatever reason, and then Boaz took on the responsibility. And it was as a result of this obedience that the Messianic bloodline continued. And through this bloodline came Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And kingship ultimately did come to Alamalek. Alamalek's name means let kingship come to me. And kingship did come because of selfless acts of loving-kindness. And I want you to know that through this story, I pray that you have learned that that you are on a path of kingship. And wherever God has positioned you, God's going to cause you to, co- to come to the highest level of your calling in Christ Jesus. And God is all the promises of God are yea and, and amen in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, there is legacy, there is destiny, there's a high calling of Christ Jesus in your bloodline. And I pray that tonight that you will find your mission and that you will know that your mission demands acts of selflessness. And a focus on perpetuating God's name and making God's name great in the earth. And, and, and whatever you set your set part to do, you know, uh, in selfless acts of loving kindness, in your ministries, in the workplace, in your families, and all that you do, let, let it be for the purpose of making God's name great in the earth. Amen. So I pray that I hope that you enjoyed this service. If you did, I, I encourage you to subscribe, to share, to like, and to comment, to show your support. Um, you can follow us on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Destined for Torah. You can also watch us and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Destined for Torah. You can also go to our blog website, Torah.com. and you can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Go to anchor.fm slash Destined for Torah or just search for us on on Spotify, on on, um, Apple, on Google, on your favorite platform service, and you can find Destin Fatora or just search for my name, Stan J. Pranjapanti. So I just pray that you've been blessed tonight. I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. I know this is a very difficult study and very difficult to follow, but I pray that the Holy Spirit has taught you tonight, and I pray that you have come into a new place in God.